thought-provoking stories, and insights from around the globe by your favorite athletes. This is the Athlete's Obsession, brought to you by Obsesh. This week on the podcast, we talked to Danielle Diamant, a former professional basketball player who was able to travel the world thanks to her passion. Welcome into the third episode of the Athletes Obsession presented by Obsesh. This is your host, Dalton Allison, and I am joined today by Danielle Diamant, the basketball player. How's it going today, Danielle? Hi, Dalton. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. You know, when I was looking through my roster of athletes that I coach on Obsesh, I was looking through the athletes that would be able to tell a great story and your name to me went towards the top immediately because I think that you just have such an interesting background and you're going to bring a lot of great stories today to the show. Thanks. I appreciate that. I hope so. So the first question that I have for you, and this is the athlete's obsession. So I need to ask you, what is your obsession and how did you find it? Um, well, in all honesty, so basketball got me overseas and, you know, that was a huge part of my life for a very long time. The last few years I've been transitioning out from playing basketball and I have found that my new obsession is dogs. Honestly, um, my, I have one dog that I adopted my first year when I played, um, overseas in Hungary. I got her from a shelter there. And then I have another dog that um, actually found me walking down the street and followed me back to my apartment um, when I was in Israel. Wow. And they have both been life changers in one way or another. One of them is very chill, just likes to do her own thing, but gives a ton of love. And then the other one is very energetic, constantly needs attention, is always, you know, wants to be playing and going out and having fun and stuff. So it's, They've both been life changers, um, especially just being overseas, you know, being able to have a constant companion. It's something special. What does what your obsession for, for dogs do for your everyday life? It definitely makes me more active. You know, if I'm going to go for a run, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really feel like it. But then Royal, my Malinois will come up and I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I'll take you for a run, you know? So he kind of keeps me motivated and definitely more disciplined as far as staying in shape to be able to go for longer runs with him because he is just so energetic. And if I don't get his energy out, it, you know, becomes a destructive way. So I would rather find <laughs> ways that benefit both of us. So we go on lots of hikes. We'll go to the parks. I take him for runs a lot in the morning. So it's definitely a great way to get outdoors and get some, some workouts in. Now you said Royal was a, a Malinois. Is that what Yes. Wow. I've, I've never heard of that, that type of dog before. What, it, what is that dog like? You know, I had never heard of them either until he followed me back <laughs> to my apartment <laughs> that fateful day. Um, but he's like the police canine dogs. Um, they use them in the military a lot recently as well. Kind of, it's a version of a Belgian shepherd, but okay. it's a little bit more of a specific breed. Interesting. Well, he found a great home with you. So I'm sure that you guys are both happy with that. Um, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that basketball brought you overseas and you come from one of the, the great basketball minds of the past century. You come from Tark the Shark. He's your grandfather. How much did that influence uh, your aptitude of playing basketball? 
You know, it's funny because a lot of people have asked me that throughout the years and he was always just my grandpa. You know, he never overstepped. He only gave advice when I would ask for it. You know, nothing was ever unsolicited and it was more just a grandpa who had things to say rather than, you know, this great basketball mind trying to like push his opinion and his expertise onto me, which at the time I was very grateful for that. Looking back on it, I wish he would have, you know, made more, not necessarily of an effort, but just been like, Danielle, this is what you need to do, whether I wanted to hear it at that moment or time or not, you know, but it was, it was great growing up. You know, I was the first female in my family to play basketball. So it was nice to introduce him to the women's side of things a little bit more, get his feet wet in that. I remember in high school, he came and he coached a few of our practices, which was really fun to see. But, but also like one is, you know, he was a lot older, but cause I, I can remember when he was coaching at Fresno state, going to some of his practices there and just seeing the differences <laughs> between yeah. when he was coaching his own players, you know, just versus, you know, high school girls. <laughs> so, but it was fun though. It was definitely fun. It has opened um, up a new world, you know, in many different ways for me, just as far as meeting people um, and being able to hear stories about him. My uncle actually wrote a book about his experiences with my grandfather. And it was just, you know, I was smiling the entire time that I was reading the books. So I was like, oh, I know him, you know, like now I yeah. can put like, um, like a, more stories to the names and the faces that I know. So it was real fun. Now you talk about him giving advice and he was, he was known for being a brilliant, brilliant basketball mind, but what was the best piece of non basketball advice that he gave you? It's, I don't know if it was like straight up advice, but I would say he's probably, he was probably one of the most loyal individuals I've ever met. Um, and that's definitely something that I value now and that I take with me everywhere that I go. Um, I'm loyal to a fault <laughs> in my opinion, um, you know, but I would rather be overly loyal than not. So it's definitely something that he has instilled in me or had instilled in me from a very young age that I take with me everywhere I go. Now, where you started was Bishop Gorman High School, a high school that is known across the country for their high level of athletic programs, you know, their football and basketball teams are so well known. What was it like playing for a high school with such high expectations? I'll tell you my first, my freshman year, um, I didn't play a whole lot. I kind of, I started, I played a little bit of JV, but mostly with varsity. Um, and it was a struggle. You know, I had multiple other um, post players in front of me who, you know, we have Ashley Gale. She went to university of Texas and a few other different players who went on to play collegiately, but they were so good. And, you know, they pushed me every single day in practice. And I still remember one of my AAU coaches at that time was like, you know, you have to work so hard and be so good that coach K cannot take you off the court. You know, that like you just become so valuable that your team suffers when you're not on the court. And that's pretty much what I did. And we went on to win three of four state championships while I was in school. And my senior year, we lost by, I think it was one point with like 0.4 seconds left. I'm still oh. bitter about it because we <laughs> should have won. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. But it was definitely a memorable experience playing under Coach K, Cheryl Krumpetich here at Gorman, um, and then just playing with the players that I had to teach me and get me ready for college and everything further on. Yeah. And speaking of college, uh, you were recruited by a lot of colleges when you were coming up through Bishop Gorman, what was it that made you decide to go to Northwestern? 
Um, Northwestern was, I'd say the best combination of everything that I was looking for in a school. Um, you know, it wasn't here in Vegas. I wanted to move away from home, but it wasn't all the way on the East coast. Like location was good. It was, you know, close to a big city, but wasn't a part of a big city. Weather wise, I wanted to, I wanted to have all four seasons. Definitely get that in Chicago. (laughs) Um, And, you know, academically, they're one of the top in the country and have been consistently over the last, I don't know, however many years, Um, you know, but top 10 school, if not top 10 or top 15. So it was just, you know, everything that I was looking for in a school. And when coach McEwen came, he was um, first at George Washington. And so he, and one of his assistant coaches, coach Allie Jacks, who's now at Siena, they were recruiting me hard at G-Dub. And I was like, eh, I don't really want to go to G-Dub, you know, way too much of a city for me, um, too far from home. And then they ended up getting the job at Northwestern and they knew that I had already visited the campus and I had loved Northwestern, but just their coaches and their, the caliber of their basketball wasn't where I wanted it. So when they were coming to turn the program around, it was just kind of everything fell into place. So, and everything fell into place quite nicely for you as well. At Northwestern, you finished fifth all time in blocks at the program with 93. What is it like knowing that you left a legacy on a great basketball program like Northwestern? Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I totally forgot (laughs) (laughs) I had that many blocks um, until right now, but um, you know, it's cool. It's just cool knowing that you were a part of something, you know, and especially to see their success nowadays, just to know that I was a part of that rebuilding and, you know, it, it was for something, you know, it wasn't just for not that I went to go try to rebuild the program, you know, less than 10 years later, they're making it to the tournament for the first time in many, many years, you know, and we have all Americans on the team. We have girls who are going to play in the league um, and do really well overseas as well. So it's just, it's cool knowing that I was a part of something that was built and to see how far it's gone since then. What do you think, whether it was on the court or off the court, was the biggest lesson that you learned while you were at Northwestern? Oh gosh. Um, that's a really good question. My biggest lesson I would say is just in life is to network and not necessarily to do it, to see what you can get from each person, but just as a way of just growing the people who, you know, because you never know how those relationships will help you in the future. You know, you might be able to help someone else. They might be able to help you, you know, you might know someone to help someone. It was something that, you know, it was, it was always talked about the first few years, you know, as far as like make new friends and, you know, branch out from just, you know, the athletes and um, something I wish I would have done more of in my first few years there. But I would say that's definitely the biggest thing that I've learned, not just at Northwestern, but throughout all of my experiences, whether it be work or universities. Yeah. And being a college senior that's about to graduate in a week, I can tell you, they drill the same thing into you, no matter what you go at, what college you go to, make sure you network. I must have heard that word so many times (laughs) by now. Um, So following college, you went and you played pro in Europe. So what was it like uh, having the experience, having the opportunity really to follow your passion and to have that passion give you the ability to travel? I would say I am 
the thing that I'm the most grateful for basketball is the fact that I was able to travel um, and experience other places and cultures as in depth and as often as I did simply because, you know, of an orange ball. One thing that I, when I was in college, I really felt that I was missing out on was being able to go study abroad. You know, volleyball players could go do it because their season was in the beginning of the year and then they had to be back for spring, but basketball covers essentially all three quarters, uh, Northwestern's on the quarter system. So, you know, you'd have preseason in the fall, your actual season was winter and then postseason was in the spring. And then you still have to be there for summer school and workouts and stuff. So that was one thing that I felt that I missed out on when I was in college. And so to be able to use basketball, to get me the experience to go live overseas and visit other cities and places was something that I am just forever indebted to the game of basketball for. Now of all the teams that you played for and all the countries that you played for, do you have a favorite spot? Just basketball wise or just total travel? In travel wise, do you have a favorite place that you've ever been to? I think Vienna and Prague are probably two of my favorites, just as far as scenery and like the different touristy places, the architecture, everything is just beautiful. As far as historically, I would say definitely the entire country of Israel um, if, any, if you ever get the opportunity, I highly, highly, highly suggest it. Beautiful country. People are fantastic. Food is amazing. And just it's just so historically rich from the north all the way down to the south. So that was definitely one of them. But then also historically, I went to Cairo after my second year overseas wow. too. And that was a really very fun, very cool trip as well. That is That sounds really awesome. Um, so what was the hardest part of transferring your game from the NCAA court to the courts over in Europe and then Africa as well, since you played in Cairo? Well, no. So I just took my, tr- it was like a th- four day trip to Cairo. So no. Oh, bad- okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as far as basketball is concerned, I would say the hardest part really is um, I guess like the aggression in the game and the speed of the game moving from college to overseas is very different Um, you know, everyone is just like, oh, you, like you have to learn your first year is a completely different learning curve, even just from going from college to the WNBA, like the pros here in the States, European basketball is different. You know, they're much more, they're not as aggressive, which like as a post player, when I was in college, I had to learn to be aggressive, you know? And then when I got to Israel, well, hungry first, but I spent the majority of my career in Israel. So when I think of my time playing overseas, like that's what comes to mind first. So playing in Israel, it's just, it's very, it's not as aggressive. And when I was aggressive, you know, you get fouls called. (laughs) So I used to be like, Oh my God, the referees don't like me, but it was just because it, you know, it took me a while to understand how to play in the, in the Israeli league. I still fouled a lot. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but you know, I like for the most part, I knew when they were going to call a foul, um, towards the end of my career rather than like, Oh, but it was completely clean. And I just don't know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you ever have that moment since, you know, you were on that, that learning curve from collegiate to professional basketball, where it seemed like all of a sudden everything clicked. Yes. I'm trying to think, I don't remember which year it was. I want to say maybe year five. And it's not necessarily just, it was not just the learning curve for basketball, but just everything as a whole, 
you know, you just feel very comfortable because I had been there for so long. I knew the coach I had played with him before. I knew most of the girls on my team. I was probably in the best shape that I had been my entire professional career, you know, just with the comfort level of being in the same country and knowing the girls on your team and your coach and what to expect. It just makes you that much more comfortable on the court. You get used to the country, you get used to the people, and it all translates onto how into how you play and how you perform on the court. And we ended up winning the Israeli Cup and the championship that year. We had a great team, great group of girls, probably one of my favorite years. So then would that that championship year be your favorite moment from playing overseas? Or are you able to narrow it down to a specific time that was your favorite? I can't say, I don't think I have a specific time. That was my favorite. My first year, I didn't play a whole lot, but my team was amazing and we won the championship. Another year, I liked my team. We won the cup, um, not the championship, not like the league championship, you know? So like we, I'm very grateful for the teams that I was on because we were able to, you know, make it to the finals and get some championships under my belt. But I, I don't think I have a favorite time. It just, as a whole, I had just an overall great experience being overseas. You know, there, I don't have a lot of negative things to say about it. Now, eventually you did get the call up to play for team Israel. What was it like first getting that call and then taking the stage internationally? You know, funny story. So I actually first got the call when my senior year in college, um, and this guy just like randomly messaged me on Facebook. And I was like, I don't know who you are. I'm not going <laughs> to respond to you. You know, you're a creeper. Um, after like multiple messages, he ended up reaching out to my dad because my dad is Israeli. Um, and so he dealt with everything and they were just like, yeah, we want her to come play on the national team here in Israel because they had seen me play in the Maccabi games my senior year in high school. And so knew that I had a Jewish background. Um, and so my dad ended up doing everything, helping me get my passport, um, for my Israeli citizenship and, you know, taking me to the embassy in Chicago and making sure everything worked out smoothly. And so my senior year in college, um, I left a little bit early. It's, I was just telling you this, I didn't go to my, my college graduation because I was in Israel for the national team. So I played two summers with the national team. And then FIBA has a rule where you're only allowed one naturalized citizen on a team to represent the country. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so because the national teams initially were playing in the summer, I was, you know, the one naturalized Jewish American. But then when they, they changed it so that it was like two weeks in the fall and two weeks in, in February. So like two weeks in November, two weeks in February when it wasn't WNBA season. And so like all of Europe would have like a national team break. So they ended up having Alicia Clark come because she, she has Israeli citizenship as well. So then for a few years, I wasn't with the team until they just filed paperwork to make it so that I'm not considered a naturalized Israeli because I like Alicia made Aliyah because her grandfather was Jewish. So she had a Jewish background, whereas my dad was born in Israel. So I automatically have Israeli citizenship simply from that. Um, even though I didn't apply for my passport till I was 22, right. <laughs> you know, but so after that, then it was great. Cause I was able to play with Alicia on the team as well. And I had played with her on one of my full season teams when I was in Israel. So it's fun. It's, it's so fun just to see the pride that people have for their country. 
you know, and especially Israelis. I've never seen a group of people who are as proud to be, you know, not like German, American, Irish, whatever, like the Israelis will always have everyone beat because they're such a small country. Everyone's always coming after them and they have to have that Israeli pride. Do you have a favorite moment from playing for team Israel? Probably my first time, honestly, putting on the Israel Jersey and just having that slapped across my chest, you know, it's a different feeling than just representing, you know, a city or a college. It's like you have an entire country of God, how many people, I think they have like six or 8 million people, you know, and like you're representing them, (laughs) Yeah, you know? So just like putting it on and stepping on the court that first time and hearing the Israeli national anthem, it's just kind of surreal. Would you have any advice for collegiate athletes who are looking to make the jump and go pro in Europe after they graduate college? I would say let the process unfold as it's going to unfold. You can't force anything and not necessarily to always go after the money, go after the best situation for you. Because I know people who have gone to particular cities in teams and countries because they were making X amount of money more than they would in somewhere else. Um, they don't always get paid. The team, the team isn't always so great um, as far as how they treat their players and you know, your mental health at the end of the day is everything because you're not going to be able to perform if you're not mentally okay, mentally and emotionally okay. And it's hard being away from your family and your friends as great as my experience overseas was especially, you know, my time in Israel, a lot of it is because in Israel, all the Americans are very close to each other. And a lot of the Americans come back year after year. Plus you get to make, because I was there for so long, I was able to make good connections with Israelis. You don't always have that opportunity in other countries. My first year when I was in Hungary, I, two of my teammates there, one's American and one is Serbian, all three, like we're still very close, but you don't have the opportunity to go mingle with people who are not on your team, or sometimes the city doesn't always speak English. So it's like, you're kind of very secluded. So depending on where you're at, it can be very difficult. So I would say my advice is to be to put yourself first and find the situation that is best for you. Now, lastly, if, if people wanted to book you on Obsesh, what would they expect from an experience with Danielle Diamant? Well, first of all, always upbeatedness. I don't think that's a word, but it is now. I'm very, uh, I'm a very upbeat individual. So lots of that, (laughs) lots of positivity, but I love fitness. I work out every single day. I'm actually in the process of getting my group fitness certification so that I can possibly go teach, but so lots of fitness, nutrition, basketball, anything that I film, probably my dogs will come and interrupt at some point in time (laughs) or you'll hear them barking. That's pretty much it. You know, I mean, any type of like travel questions, traveling with dogs, (laughs) I know a lot about that, (laughs) but yeah. So I would say like motivational fitness, nutrition, basketball, and dogs and travel. Great. Well, you can check out Danielle and a whole host of other athletes on the Obsesh platform. This will wrap up today's episode of the Athletes Obsession podcast. Danielle, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Dalton. 